From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and I'm saying to you, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me, for my sake, will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. This is God's word. There is a lot here, obviously, um, but we'll boil it down to two points today. One, it was necessary that the Messiah deny himself, carry a cross, suffer, be killed, and rise. And second, it's necessary that all who follow him do the same. It's necessary that the Messiah suffer, be killed, and be raised. And it's necessary that all who follow him do the same. If we have this down, we're good. Okay? From today and, and to the end, we're good. So, last week ended with Peter's high note, right? If you were here um, last week for Peter and the disciples. First, it's a high note because of Peter's right and tested um, confession. Matthew 16, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And then second, it's a high note because of Jesus' response to Peter. Blessed are you. You're Peter, and on this rock... I'll build my assembly and death will not over overcome it. So that's a big, high, glorious moment for Peter. But it goes goes downhill fast from then on. Okay, so after this moment of triumph, Jesus began to point out to his disciples. It's necessary that I go to Jerusalem and I'm deny myself. I'm suffered. I'm killed. I die. And then I'm raised on the third day. So it's it's whiplash, right? You, Right, you're this, and then actually, okay, Peter says, you're the Messiah, you're Israel's long-awaited king, you're going to crush our enemies, uh, regather the twelve tribes, raise the dead, and from David's throne, in David's city, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And Peter says this, and then Jesus says, yes, but, right, actually, before the messianic glory happens, that you're right about, Peter, the messianic suffering Will happen, okay? Israel's king will suffer and Israel's king will die. And this is not the first time that Jesus has alluded to this, okay? Matthew 9, he says, what? The bridegroom is going to be taken away. Matthew 10, it will involve a cross. Matthew 12, the son of man, the sign of Jonah will go into the earth for three days. So, so those are all sort of veiled, right? Bridegroom's taken away. Okay, you know. <laughs> but now Jesus is being explicit. Okay, as if to say, I've, I've proven through my teaching and, and, and miracles and signs that I am the Messiah. I, I am the King. I am the Anointed One. You were right in John 1 and you're right in Matthew 16. Now I need to show you that I'm not just Israel's glorious King. I'm also Israel's suffering servant. Okay, 
I'm, I'm both. In other words, for the Messiah and for all those in the Messiah's assembly, suffering precedes glory. Okay, there is a cross before there is a kingdom. Okay, true for Jesus, true for all who would follow Jesus. So why does Jesus consider it necessary? It's necessary that I go and and do these things. And there's lots of reasons. We'll just do a couple today. First, because it's it's to fulfill the biblical pattern for the righteous. It's suffering before glory. Okay, I could read passage after passage after passage from from Genesis, from uh, I mean, from the the first five, from the prophets, from, from the writings all the way through. That, that give this pattern that in this age for the righteous, there is suffering before there is glory. Like this is just how it is because of Genesis three. This is how this age plays out. OK, but for time purposes and speci- because this is specifically about the righteous suffering of the Messiah, we'll just look at Isaiah 53. OK, this is the most referenced prophecy um, by the apostolic Writers in Isaiah 53 begins with with suffering. Verse three, he was despised, rejected by man, a man of suffering, a man of of sorrows that we sang. Verse four, stricken, struck down by God, afflicted. Verse five, pierced, crushed. Verse six, punished. Verse seven, oppressed and afflicted, led to the slaughter. Verse eight, oppression and judgment cut off from the land of the living. Verse nine, assigned a grave with the wicked. Verse 10, crushed severely. Okay. This this is the savior, right? We're, you know, we're well on the other side of the cross. You've heard Isaiah 53 over and over and over and over and over. This pattern that the, the servant walks through goes all the way through the scriptures. The righteous suffer at the hands of wicked men. OK, that's just one passage. Like I guess I mean, just it's constant It's over and over and over. But that's not the whole pattern, okay? It's suffering unto something. Because if that's the whole story, like, what a bad story. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, I will find another religion that won't tell me that. You know what I mean? It's it's not the whole pattern. If it is, it's a bad story. The lot of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 is not just suffering for suffering's sake. It's suffering unto glory, okay? It's going to do something. So back to Matthew 16, Jesus taught it's necessary to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, be killed, and what? Be raised on the third day. So it's just the pattern. Suffering first, then glory. So back to Isaiah 53, verse 11. After his anguish, suffering, he will see light. Glory. Right? It's, it's just, oh, and be satisfied. So suffer and be raised, Matthew 16. Anguish and see light, Isaiah 53. Like it's just over and over and over. Jesus says it differently. Um, Luke 17, as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day, the, the day of the Lord, the day Isaiah 2, when everyone else is brought low and the suffering servant is exalted and lifted up. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. I don't have it on, in the screen today, but Hebrews 2 says that it was fitting that God, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the pine should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. This this is the pattern, and just because I think it's cool, and I think it will matter the further this the longer this age goes on. The pattern is not just this for the Messiah. The pattern is not just this for all who are in the Messiah, but this is also the pattern for the Messiah city. 
Suffering before glory is, is the story not just of Jesus, but of Jerusalem. Jesus is Israel's king, Israel's representative head, and his suffering unto glory mirrors Jerusalem's suffering unto glory. So back to Isaiah, the pattern plays out. Isaiah 53 is the description of the suffering and death unto resurrection. Okay, after his anguish, he will see light. And immediately after Isaiah 53, what's after Isaiah 53? Fifty-four. Isaiah fifty-four is a description of of Jerusalem, of, of Israel being resurrected and glorified. So fifty-three, eleven, and twelve. After his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied. Into Isaiah fifty-four, the whole thing will pick up eleven. Poor Jerusalem, storm-tossed and not comforted. I will set your stones. I will lay your foundations. I will make your fortifications out of rubies, your gates out of sparkling stones, and your walls out of precious stones. Okay, if you're a New Testament person, that's Revelation twenty-one, right? Okay, this is where John is getting it. Then all then then after Isaiah 53, then all your children will be taught by the Lord. Their prosperity will be great and you will be established on a foundation of righteousness. You will be far from oppression. You will certainly not be afraid. You will be far from terror. It will certainly not come near you. Verse 17, this this resurrection and, and glorification being covered in, in, in rubies and all the stones I, I can't pronounce here. This is the heritage of the Lord's servant and their vindication, the, 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 their suffering is vindicated, comes from me. So Jesus, in his suffering and glory, is mirroring and modeling Israel's suffering and glory. Okay, And this is where the third day language comes from, right? He must be raised on the... On the on the third third day, so the third day is an allusion to Hosea six two, which is about Israel, right? Hosea, we get the, the, the weird. Okay, you, you've run from me. I'm going to buy you again. Um, whole bit. Hosea six. Let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us, and He will heal us. Suffering then glory. He has wounded us. He will bind up our wounds. Suffering then glory. He will revive us after two days, and on the third day. He will raise us up so that we can live in his presence. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like spring showers that water the land. So you see what Jesus is is doing here. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, suffer, be killed, and be raised. And Jerusalem also is going to suffer, be killed, and, and, and be raised. Okay, His suffering unto glory is the path that Israel will follow in the day of the Lord. Now, that was just like... Out there for you, like that's fine, like it's new to me too, but this is what's happening. Jesus, as Israel's king, is modeling for Israel what what will come for them. Second reason, Jesus says it is necessary to bear sin. First, he goes to Jerusalem to fulfill the pattern of the righteous in this age. There is suffering and then there is glory. Second, Jesus must suffer. It's necessary that he suffer in Jerusalem to bear sin. Okay, and this is what we're more familiar with. This is the primary reason for his first coming. This is the primary reason for the incarnation. Okay, so remember back the episode right before this, Peter has identified Jesus. You're, you're Israel's king. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You're the person we've waited for from Genesis 3, 2 Samuel. Like you're, you're the guy. And in doing that, he's affirming what the angel Gabriel Told, told Mary, Luke 1, you, the angel comes to Mary, you will conceive, you will bear a son, he will be called the son of the Most High, the, the son of God, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So that's what Peter said, right? 
you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. Right? But that's not all that Gabriel told Mary. Okay? There, there's more that he said. He also told her this, Matthew 1, she will give birth to a son. You're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Okay? He, he, he will bear their sins. So Gabriel, in coming to Mary, certainly is foreshadowing and announcing that Jesus is the guy. Okay? He is Israel's glorious king and, and Messiah. But Gabriel also foreshadows, and I don't know how much Gabriel understood or Mary understood, but we certainly can on this side. He also foreshadows Jesus as Israel's suffering servant who will bear their sins in his body. He will save his people from their sins how well now we're finding out right now now we're seeing the bit so back to isaiah 53 verse 4 surely he has borne our griefs surely he has carried our sorrows verse 5 he was pierced for what our transgressions right as isaiah is saying he was crushed for what our iniquities upon him was the chastisement the punishment that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed hosea 6 he has torn us he will heal us, right? It's just the same thing. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We've sinned and the Lord has laid on him, this servant in Isaiah. He has laid on him the iniquity, the, the sin of us all. You see, the, the servant suffers. It's necessary, Jesus says. The servant suffers to bear the sins of the people and save them out of it. Okay, like, so this is like a, a big, big deal. Uh, uh, verse 10 of Isaiah 53. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. The Lord has put him to grief. Okay, so don't view the cross. Don't view Jesus going to Jerusalem like Jesus is some helpless victim here. Right. He, he's going in obedience to his father. He's going in love for his people to bear their sin and save them out of it. When his soul makes an offering for guilt after he suffers to bear sin, what he shall see his offspring. There will be. Glory, okay? He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him give the many as a portion. He will receive the mighty as a spoil. Why? Why does Jesus get the inheritance of Israel and all the nations of the earth? Because he willingly submitted to death. He's obedient to the point of Death, Philippians chapter 2. He was counted among the rebels, the sinners, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. Do you, do you see what's happening here? It's necessary that Jesus suffer because it's the pattern, guys, just how this age works. And second, he's suffering to bear sin, to take sin upon himself. Hebrews 9.26, he's appeared one time at the end of the ages. Why did he appear the first time? For the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, suffering will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Glory. Over and over and over and over, this is what's going on. Like, this is how, how it works. And, and third, like, like just... Hebrew, if you got Hebrews 9, 26 and 28, you're good. Like, you got your Bible, right? You're, you, you've got your story. This is what his first coming is about, to fulfill the pattern and, and to bear sin. And third, what, at least on, on August 21st, is most glorious to me, 
Jesus, or God deemed it necessary that Jesus go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and be raised on the third day. Why? Why is it necessary? Because this is how God displays his mercy and patience and kindness towards the wicked. This is it. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life. Okay, for his friends there in John, but clearly Jesus lays down his life for his enemies. This is what's going on. This is the why. This is the why it's necessary because God is displaying to wicked men his love towards them and his patience towards them. John 3, 16, God loved the world. God loved the wicked in this way. How? He gave his one and only son. Romans 5, 8, God proves, God displays his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ Died for us. First uh, John, God's love was revealed, displayed among us in this way. God sent his son into the world. Verse 10, love consists. Love is this. Love consists in this, that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So in that one, you kind of get all three, right? It's the patterns to bear sin and to display the love of God. This is why. Jesus teaches his suffering at the hands of wicked men is necessary because it's the only thing that gets through to wicked hearts and hard heads. It's the only thing if someone lays down their life and, and like, you know, religious or not. You guys turn on Saving Private Ryan. Everyone is just like in awe that people lay down. You know what I mean? It's 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 what the human heart longs to see is love for the sake of another in the pattern of laying down your life for somebody else. Like you put that movie out, everyone's crying. Everyone's moved by it. And that's because we're like God is. We're made in his image. We're made to love the things he, he loves. This is what's going on. Jesus says, it is necessary that I go to Jerusalem, suffer at the hands of wicked men, be killed and be raised to display the heart of God to the wicked. Okay? It shows the world. The cross shows the world what God is like. And as Jesus is crucified, he, he shows his heart as they mock and they jeer him. And, and we see it because rather than calling upon legions of angels, which he was, you know, totally permitted to do. They are his angels. We see at the end of this passage, instead of that, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them. You see, like, I, I, I know if you've been in, in church your whole life, that's like, duh, basic, whatever. It, it's not duh, basic, whatever, like this is... A big deal it should move our hearts and, and we'll see in the, the rest today. It causes us to live like him in a different, different way. This is the path that Jesus walked, suffering before glory for the sake of love. And this is the path that you will walk if you're going to be a disciple. Okay, so if your vision of what it means to be a Christian or your vision of what it means to follow Jesus does not include a cross, someone lied to you or you've just deluded yourself. It's, this is what it means. This is what it, it means. And it's important to remember that this call to follow Jesus, right, we're, we're going to see in a second, it happens right after Jesus promised to Peter that death will not overcome them, right? You're Peter on this rock, I'll build my assembly, and the gates of hell, that the death will not overcome them. So the sequence is something like this. Death will not overcome you. Now go die. It's just whiplash. Like, it, it, it's messing with them. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, after explaining the necessity of his suffering, if anyone wants to follow after me into the glory of to come, let him deny himself like I do. 
Let him take up his cross like I will and, and follow me. You want to inherit eternal life, Peter? You want death to not overcome you? This is what it means. Carry a cross, deny yourself, follow me. So why, it's necessary, not just for the Messiah, this kind of life, this kind of heart it, it is necessary for disciples for the same reasons, okay? The, those same three reasons. If Jesus walked according to the pattern of righteous suffering unto glory, so will you, Okay? And it's going to be different in different seasons of life and different people in life. But, but this is the pattern. Matthew 10, 25. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, the servant, like his master. Right. He's warned them here, re-upping again here in 16. And then you move forward into the, the story of those early disciples. They did it. OK, they didn't just hear Jesus say, carry your cross and follow me for the sake of, of displaying the love of God to the world. They actually did it. A- Acts 14. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned, verse 22, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith. And how do they encourage them? It's not really encouraging. <laughs> they encourage them in this way. They encourage them according to the pattern that Jesus showed them and taught them. It is necessary to go through many hardships, suffering, to enter the kingdom of God. Glory. That, I mean, I could read 55 more of these. This, this is how our, our fathers lived. This is what they gave themselves to. It wasn't a question for them. Is there suffering unto glory? It's like, no, there is suffering. And then there is, is glory that you can't. I mean, if Jamie would have kept reading in Ephesians, it's like glory that we can't comprehend. The heart of man can't imagine leads out of that thing. Okay? Because the pattern is not just, again, not suffering at the hands of wicked men only. It's suffering unto glory. Unto something we can't comprehend. Verse 25. For whoever wants to save his life in the coming age. Whoever wants to be raised from the dead to live forever in a world without end. A world without sadness and sickness and death. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it in this age. And it's not a... It's duh. You want to have 80 years, maybe, okay, maybe 80 years in this age, or you want eternal life in the age to come. Don't be an idiot. Like, this is what Jesus is saying. Whoever will lose it in this age, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it in the resurrection. Be raised to life. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world in this age, yet loses his life in the age to come? You can have it now and lose it at the day of the Lord. Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? The point is you give everything to inherit eternal life, no matter what the cost. Okay, it is worth it to follow Jesus in this way, in this age. It's worth it to deny yourself. It's worth it to carry a cross. It's worth it to be, uh, in our, our context, be disadvantaged for the sake of displaying love and mercy and patience and forgiveness of God. It's worth it. And what's the payoff? Verse 27. The payoff is that the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will reward each according to what he has done. I'm in. You know, I'm in. He's going to come for real. Like not spiritually or like Jesus is going to crack the sky with legions of angels and bring his reward with him for those who were faithful in carrying their cross and faithful in in denying themselves and giving themselves to others in love. He's going to reward them on that day. Okay, so for the disciple who follows the master in this way, that reward is great. Again, you, you can't imagine it. 
And Peter obviously missed it here, right? Like in, in Matthew 16, he gets called Satan, okay? But later in life, Peter gets it, okay? Even, I mean, at the end of, of John, Peter gets it, right? They, they, Jesus is kind of foretelling a little bit and says, these are going to sit on my right and my left. And someone says, hey, well, what about, what about them? And Jesus says, don't worry about them. You worry about you. And then he tells Peter, Peter, at the end of your life, people are going to carry you around where you do not want to go. And how does Peter die? On a cross, being carried around where he does not want to go. But he gets it at this point. He understands 1 Peter 1, uh, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Okay, Old man Peter, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, there's that word again, you have been grieved by various trials so that the test of genuineness of your faith may be found to result in what? In praise and glory and honor. When? At the revelation, at the revealing of Jesus Christ, when the Son of Man comes in the glory of his Father with all his angels and rewards to each according to what he has done. Okay? Like Peter, rightfully so, Peter's mocked here, right? Because right before this, he's like, you're the Messiah. And then the next one, you're a stumbling block to me, Peter. You're the rock stumbling block. You're the Messiah. You're Satan. Like, rightly mocked here. At the end of his life, Peter gets it. And we want to follow in the footsteps that Peter followed in, which was following in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus walked the path of suffering at the hands of wicked men. And when he comes, when Jesus returns, he will inherit glory. Disciples of Jesus must walk the path of suffering. And when he comes, we will inherit glory. Okay? Eschatology drives discipleship. What you think about that day drives how you live right now. Okay? So it's necessary for Jesus and it's necessary for us. To walk in this pattern. Second, it's necessary for disciples to give a witness to Jesus' cross. Okay? In following Jesus by carrying a cross, um, we don't bear sin, right? You know, like the martyrdom of Jesus is very different from any kind of other martyrdom because he bears sin. We. Okay. <laughs> so you know that. But in our martyrdom, in giving our lives, we give a witness to Jesus' cross that does bear sin. Does that make sense? So uh, Colossians 1, 24, which I just have to read it for time, but it, Paul says, I am full of joy because of the things I am suffering. Okay. I'm full of joy because of the things I'm suffering in order to help and serve you, the, the, the church there, as I serve on the Messiah's behalf. So these things I'm suffering, I'm doing in view of the Messiah, his sufferings. Are represented in this weak and mortal body of mine for the sake of his body. So just quickly, Christ's afflictions and all that they represent that we carry in our bodies and in how we live our life. They're they're displayed in us and people see them pointing to the cross that actually does bear sin. Does that make sense? If not, you know, we'll, we'll move on. The third, third thing. It's necessary for, for disciples for the same reasons it's necessary for Jesus. We carry a cross, deny ourselves, go and suffer unto glory for the same purpose to display the love and mercy and patience of God. Okay? So just as Jesus' cross proved, loved, showed, revealed all those passages we read, just as it revealed the love of God for his enemies, so does the martyrdom of his disciples. This is, this is um, how it works if you're familiar with, with 
my older people probably are. Jim Elliott, his missionaries. Okay, so they're, they're martyred in the, in the um, 50s. They, they go, and Jim Elliott's the most intense. Like, you can read his journals and diaries, and we would not be friends. Like, he's just so intense. I couldn't handle being around him. Anyway, him, him and, him and uh, uh, five guys, they go to uh, South America, to the Aka Indians, people without a language, people who have never know nothing. And they, they fly their planes around over and over and over and over, dropping food, uh, dropping uh, radios that they can just talk and say stuff. And they, they show up, they go down, they, they've got their arm, they have weapons, they go to the Aka Indians, and they're killed. Okay? And they're all armed, right? These men are armed, could could protect themselves, but instead of firing at the Akas, they, they shoot their guns into the air. They lay down their lives. All of them are, are killed, okay? And they're killed for the sake of love, to display the love and the mercy and the patience and the kindness of God. You know what happens to the Aka Indians later? The wives of these men and, and their children Go again to the Aka Indians, okay? And at this point, there's been a little bit more headway in, in communication. And that village comes to trust in Jesus by the testimony of these men who love not their lives even unto death, okay? Like, true story. You can, I'll, I'll send it out if you want. Like, like this, is, this is what we're doing in our martyrdom is saying, my life for yours, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to be raised from the dead. When the Son of Man comes, He's going to reward me on that day. My life is forfeit if it means that you would come to Christ. That you would, you would come to Him. Stephen, after this, he faces his cross. He follows exactly in his master's step. He copies Jesus verbatim, falling to his knees. They're about to stone him. He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. This is the kind of life that disciples of Jesus live. This is what he says. You can read Matthew 16 over and over and over and over and, and try to read around it or whatever. This is what Jesus says. Anyone who would come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. This, and, and this is the kind of love that has to be displayed to the world. Okay, We have to bear these afflictions in our body. Because Paul says, <laughs> never mind, I won't, I won't go there. He says, I have to prove what's lacking in Christ's affliction to you. So, um, just to close, Amanda, if you'd come help us, please. To close, I just want to ask what, what all of us should be asking, especially when we read passages like this, is are we following Jesus? If this is the description of what it means to follow Jesus, then ask, am I a disciple? Am I following Jesus? And not like last week, right? Do, do I have a right confession about Jesus? Can I look at him, look at his life, and say that's, that's the Messiah, that's the King of Israel, that's the Son of God? Not do I have a right confession. Do, do I follow him? Okay? Because if, if not, just in love, you're not a disciple. Okay? This is the description of discipleship. We're not doing this, right? If we're not doing this, we're, we're not disciples. A plus B, you know what I mean? Luke 14, Jesus says, if anyone does not carry his cross, deny himself, okay, the whole bit. He says, cannot be my disciple. Like, he disqualifies you. And so, again, like, 
this is a weird passage to read in 2022 in the U.S. of A. in Tonkawa, right? When we've, we've got security out the wazoo now, <laughs> which we appreciate. But our, we're not given an opportunity, by, I think by the grace of God, to carry an actual cross that, that Jesus is referring to here. Okay, so I didn't know how to finish this all week, and I still don't. Um, at this point in the history of the world, we're, we're just martyrdom that Jesus is talking about is just not likely for you. Okay? Not likely for, for your children, not likely for, for your grandchildren, okay? But there are a million little opportunities every single day as a disciple of Jesus to, to deny yourself, deny your flesh, carry a cross, and live in such a way that displays to the world, one, that your hope is set on the day when the Son of Man comes. Okay? There's little ways you live like that, that you believe that Jesus died for your sins. You believe that he bore your sins on a tree. And and this is, I think, most easily displayed day in and day out as you choose to love and forgive your enemies. Okay? Every time you forgive someone, rather than pounding them, you're imitating Jesus' cross. You're imitating Stephen stoning and saying, Father, forgive them. Okay? So this is how we bear witness, and this is how the world sees God's love displayed. It's, it's the cross of Jesus seen in his people. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I ask you um, for, for your spirit to do uh, work that um, I can't. And, and make Jesus' words here real to us. And and uh, uh, concrete to us, and and make it to where Peter doesn't have to write to us. Don't be surprised by these. Like we're don't be don't count them strange. But we embrace these things if this is what it means to follow you. So in a million little ways, God, this week, show us how we can deny ourselves, uh, carry our cross, be faithful unto death, God, and and spur us on with the truth. Um, That we will be raised. The Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with all of His angels. And reward, God, those who are faithful in love. In the name of Jesus, everyone said.